Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of the DermVet Podcast. Today we're going to talk about otitis, which is obviously something as a dermatologist I deal with every day. <laughs> but we're going to go over when would you use systemic therapy to treat otitis because there's a lot of different ways as dermatologists we manage this. Um, you know, a typical basic otitis case, I'm not necessarily going to put on systemic therapy. However, there are definitely times where it's necessary and there's a lot of variables that go into that that we'll cover today. So when we talk about needing to do something like pills or oral medications for otitis, again, it's it's not going to be your run-of-the-mill otitis that we're using systemic therapy for. I just want to emphasize that because as we're entering into this land of, you know, worsening and worsening of resistant bacteria, I'm definitely not just throwing antibiotics at all of my otitis cases by any means. But times where it really can be appropriate to use things like systemic antibiotics, um, you have to look at a couple things. And I mentioned this a lot when we discuss client communication or even treatment of things like pyoderma or yeast perinechia. One, what is the ability of the owner? Sometimes we just can't get the owner to do ear medications. Maybe it's not something that they can physically do. Maybe we need to look at the temperament of the patient. What will the patient allow? Luckily, there have been a lot of different topical therapy like Claro or Acernia that have provided us the ability to do topical medications in patients where maybe they have to come be sedated or, or have the, the medication put in the ear in the clinic, but then it can provide sustained effect. And if we do get stuck in a situation where the medication that's within those products, which is fluorophenicol, isn't going to be effective, there are compounding pharmacies. Um, for example, there's one called Thermavert, there's a different Otapax, but you just need to be a bit careful with that depending on the um, intact tympanum because you can get some of the thicker ones to get stuck in the middle ear cavity. But in general, these are topical products that have allowed us to provide topical therapy in an otitis case if the owners can't do it at home. Um, but sometimes we just need to rely on systemic therapy in those cases where the owner is unable to provide the topical therapy or the pet won't allow it. Another situation would be really severe stenosis or inflammation of the ear canal. I sometimes see cases referred and if the pet's really painful with an ear or the, the ear canal is really swollen, they'll be placed on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And in my opinion, and there's a lot of different opinions out there, but for my opinion, I actually think these patients need corticosteroids, uh, oral corticosteroids. If there's a really stenotic swollen edematous ear, 
that is going to be the thing that provides the most comfort the fastest is reducing that inflammation, you know, using something like oral prednisone or oral triamcinolone to reduce that inflammation in that ear. And then you can taper down the dose, you know, depending on the severity of the ear canal, since we're not necessarily wanting to keep them on steroids forever, but that will provide the most instant relief and it'll also open up the ear canal. So you potentially can use topical therapy in that pet's ear when it's actually more open. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode. And then finally, of course, if you suspect otitis media, that's going to be one of the hallmarks for using systemic therapy um, when dealing with otitis, because it's really difficult. If you think about the anatomy of a cat or a dog ear, they're more L-shaped compared to a human ear. So it is a lot to expect an eardrop to be, you know, placed topically in the vertical ear canal to get all the way down the vertical canal, twist through the junction of the horizontal and vertical canal, go through the horizontal canal, get through where the eardrum should be, and then coat the bulla. That's just not necessarily something that will be realistic for a lot of our topical therapy. So that is where, you know, us or even neurologists, if there is an otitis media, that's where we're really relying on systemic therapy. So talking about otitis media, in a perfect world, we want to culture that middle ear cavity. And that is not the same thing as culturing the external ear. Um, Actually, culturing the external ear is a bit controversial just because you tend to use topical therapy in those portions of the ear and the cultures are based on serum concentrations. So I don't necessarily culture every single external ear canal, even if it's a really bad infection, if I'm not going to rely on systemic therapy. But otitis media is where we all definitely can agree that they should be cultured. And by doing that culture, what you will do is you can't, again, just culture the external ear canal because those bacteria can be different than the middle ear. So you will take, uh, usually it's under, under anesthesia or heavy sedation, you take a sterile catheter, you would put it through the tympanic membrane, so you may need a myringotomy to do that. Um, if it is intact or if it's ruptured, you just go where the tympanic membrane should be, you go past that, and then you actually inject sterile saline into the bulla, and then you aspirate that fluid back, take your catheter out of the ear, And that aspirate is what you want to culture. You don't want to culture the catheter itself because that's just been in the external ear canal. You just want to culture the fluid that was in the middle ear. You're trying to be really specific in what you're sampling and only getting fluid that's touched the middle ear, nothing that's touched the external ear canal. So what we most commonly do, because it is a really, you know, often small area that we're sampling is we'll do this under general anesthesia with a video otoscopy unit because this will allow us to do a myringotomy um, really carefully if we need to do it, uh, inject the fluid within the ear canal and aspirate that so we can culture it. But after we collect our culture, we often go and really do a thorough deep flush of that middle ear cavity because that can be really beneficial in these cases as well. When you think about clinical signs of otitis media, you're going to see things like a head tilt, potentially hearing loss. These pets can be super painful. 
They can show vestibular signs. Um, and then they can have Horner syndrome. So remember the four aspects of Horner syndrome would be meiosis, which is a constricted pupil. So you can compare it to the other pupil and it will be on the affected side that you have the meiosis. Ptosis, dro uh, kind of drooping of the upper eyelid. And ophthalmus, that's when the eye looks really sunken into the head. And then finally, just prolapse or elevation of the third eyelid. And all of these are going to occur on the side that potentially has otitis media. Or you can get other things like a mass in the middle ear. Or sometimes we even get Horner syndrome after a really deep ear flush just from all the kind of mucking around we're doing in that area. And then, of course, there's other things like that neurologists would deal with that can cause Horner syndrome. But that's the main things that we would see um, as far as a dermatologic standpoint. Then finally, moving on to the medications that we would use systemically if we need them. So like I said, steroids are going to be one of the more common things we use. If I have a really swollen ear, even if I think um, that we can manage it topically, but we just need to open up the ear canal, I'm probably going to use oral steroids for a period of time. You know, I tend to use um, either oral triamcinolone, which would be probably starting around 0.1 to 0.2 mg per kg per day, um, and then tapering down depending on the severity. That, that kind of dictates how fast I taper them. Or prednisone, you can use like one to two mix per keg. And you are getting to higher doses because we really need to open up that canal. So you have to forewarn owners about the PUPD, panting, polyphagia that can happen with steroid usage. Um, I have owners watch for that and let me know if it's more severe, but kind of just let them know if it's tolerable. As we taper that dose, it should get better. But again, it's one of the best things that can actually open up that ear canal. And we're talking about really swollen, ouchy, edematous ear canals. If you just have a pet managed on, say, uh, apical or cytopoint, and you just get a, a pretty mild to moderate ear infection, I'm not just switching them to steroids in those cases. I'm just treating them topically. But when they're really uncomfortable and swollen, I do think a short course of steroids can be extremely helpful, whether or not we use other systemic medications. For antibiotics, so antibiotics, again, I'm mostly using these for otitis media. So in a perfect world, um, I'm culturing the middle ear cavity. Um, I'm not just throwing all my external ear canal um, cases based on culture on those antibiotics. We know we get topical concentrations, which is usually what we're using in the external ear canal. Um, those concentrations are much, much higher than we achieve through serum concentrations. So a pet takes an oral antibiotic, they absorb it, it gets to their blood system, and then their blood system kicks it over to things like the ear. Well, that over time is going to be more dilute than just I put a topical right in the source of the problem. So I don't necessarily guide my topical therapy based off of it. It's more my systemic therapy, which is why more often than not, um, I'm doing it with a case that has otitis media. Now, if an owner can't afford culture, you know, you sometimes can, depending on what they've been on, empirically try to choose something to treat otitis media. Um, and usually we'll rely on something like a cephalosporin or clindamycin. But again, if they have a history of being on tons of medications or oral antibiotics, 
I'm really going to push for culture if possible. And this is something I did talk to a neurologist about on a previous episode of the podcast, episode 12. I talked to Dr. Lo Curtis, who is a neurologist, since we both kind of deal with these cases. Um, antifungals, not something I use super often. Um, systemically, it has to be like a really bad malassezioitis that's just failed topical therapy or there's no way the owner can do it. Um, then I may choose something like ketoconazole, fluconazole, which is 5 to 10 mg per kg um, once a day. Or terbinafine, 20 to 30 mg per kg once a day, just kind of depending. But I would say that's the one I don't use as often because usually we can get those under control topically. And then finally, you know, if you're getting to the, the point of really needing systemic medications to managing otitis, you also have to be realistic if this is a ear disease we can medically manage. Um, when we start to get really thick calcification to the ear, that is irreversible. So part of the ear exam is palpating that canal, which we talked about last week. And if that is rock hard, um, it is best to just inform the owner, there is probably a very, very small chance that we're even going to be able to medically manage this and even trying to medically manage that they're set up for a lifetime of pretty aggressive flushing and topical therapy and recurrent infection. So if it's really calcified, that's where I really have a conversation with the owner about surgery, like a tikaboo, just to get all that calcified tissue out of the head. Um, though it's a big surgery and a big expense, I have never had an owner get through the recovery period and personally regret it um, because usually they realize how much better their pet feels not having that calcified inflamed tissue like causing basically a chronic headache all the time. So usually if they're able to afford it and they're an accepting of just getting through the recovery portion, when they're to the point of a calcified long-term chronic end-stage ear those pets often owners come back and say they're acting like puppies again when that tissue is actually taken out. So it's important for me to set up expectations for the clients that, you know, we could try something like steroids. We could try, you know, managing things, but we have to be prepared that surgery might be the best option. And I've, sometimes it just happens. I have lost those cases where I feel like I really was diligent and did everything right. And the pet just calcified very fast. We see that a lot in Cocker Spaniels and English Bulldogs. Um, so, you know, just know when surgery is best and don't feel discouraged if you really tried and it, and it happens. It happens to me too. And I always feel bad that I, I have failed an ear, but unfortunately that is just the nature of dealing with veterinary medicine. So I hope that's helpful, just kind of getting more comfortable when systemic therapy could be useful. Again, look at the ability of the owner, the temperament of the patient. But I'd say the two big things are if you have a ton of stenosis, edema, swelling, where you can't even get a scope down the ear, take some time with some oral steroids as long as it's not contraindicated. I do like oral versus injectable because then I can taper them down and control them um, faster. I just feel like, you know, if they have side effects to it, I can reduce the dose faster. If we need to stay on it for a prolonged period of time, I can reduce the dose faster. So I much, much more prefer to do oral steroids in those cases. Um, and then of course, if you do suspect otitis media, 
perfect world, they go get imaging and, you know, they get evaluated for a potential myringotomy culture. Um, but those are cases where, um, if they have corners, they have all these other symptoms, um, treatment for otitis media can be extremely helpful. And I hope that that provides some comfort when you are dealing with these cases. The last thing I will say when dealing with otitis media, you need to treat those cases for a long time. So usually I'm treating them for almost probably at least eight weeks of a systemic antibiotic based on culture from the middle ear. It's, it's one that you do not want to short course their antibiotics. So until next time, thank you guys so much for all your support. As always, please leave a positive review. We've been reaching more and more people with the podcast and it's, it's little to do with me, honestly, more to do with you guys sharing episodes on social media and leaving positive reviews that makes all the podcast people super happy. So then they expose the podcast to more and more people. And we just want to help more pets and veterinarians get confident with dermatology.